Dynasty Podcast presents Dynasty Panelcasts, a live panel discussion with industry experts and innovative creatives. Hosted by Haima Black. No RSVP required. All right. Thank you for coming out today to Lake Effects. Uh, this panel is called Merch Masters on Apparel's Impact on Music and Promotion. Uh, my name is Haima Black. I'm the host of a podcast called Dynasty Podcast. We cover Chicago music, culture, tech, innovation, just people who are doing exciting things in the city. Um, and much more exciting than me are my two panelists here that I'm really stoked to talk to for the next 40 minutes or so, and then we'll open it up to questions. Uh, so directly to my right, I have Eric Montanez from Hate Brand um, and Vic Lloyd from Fat Tiger, both companies based out of Chicago. And I'm going to let you guys talk about what you do, your background, like talk about your role in music and merch. Vic, go first. Okay. Um, I'm Vic Lloyd, um, owner, founder of Fat Tiger, designer of Sensei. Um, I ran Leaders 1354 for 10 years, and I also DJ. Um, yeah, just kind of an all-around Chicago person that does a lot of stuff. Um, my name is Eric Montanez. I'm co-founder of Hate Brand. Um, essentially, what that company does is just different services for artists. So we handle management, um, merchandise coordination, touring, um, digital services, branding, promotion. Pretty much um, the way it kind of all got started is there was a lot of like great Chicago artists that were independent and needed just different services and didn't want to sign to a label and give up their music to be able to do that. And we just kind of came in to pretty much provide the support to make those type of things a reality. So um, it's you know, every day is a little bit different in terms of like what that support means, but um, some of the big things are merchandise that we handle and then promotion and management. Right on. So for you guys, like, to get a little bit more background, how did each of you get started in the creative industries? Like, where did that begin for you, and, and how did you approach that? I guess I'm first again. Um, I got into the industry completely on accident. I went to Loyola University, and I thought I was going to be a politician. And somewhere on the slippery slope of life, I ended up becoming a rapper and a DJ. And somewhere past that, I landed in streetwear and figured out that this is what I love to do. And I wanted to continue to grow in it. And so uh, I would say 15 years later, here I am, like doing my own thing and kind of happy. So, yeah. So, I mean, the way I got started is I was always just like a huge music fan growing up. And then... I went to school at DePaul for web design, and one summer I was just like, I need to work on a website all summer about something I care about, and it ended up being about music, and I kind of like, by accident, made a music blog, and that ended up kind of picking up some steam, and I started working and just meeting a bunch of different artists in Chicago. Um, through that, I met this guy named Pat Corcoran, who now manages Chance the Rapper, and um, we pretty much started we started using that like music blog platform to kind of just meet artists, interview them, and also just start helping them do whatever they needed. And eventually, like that website kind of grew into a brand. So today, you know, we're really focusing on the integration of music and, and fashion, apparel, streetwear, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, but apparel and music they go together so seamlessly now, both in Chicago and nationally. Why do you think that is? Like, why why do those two creative concentrations pair so well? I think there's kind of 
there's kind of two answers to that. I think um, why it pairs so well with music right now is just due to the fact that, like, with how digital the music industry is now, there's way less tangible items. So, like, merchandise becomes one of those things you could actually, like, pick up and feel and have. And then I think why, like, the Chicago effect of it is also kind of, like, multiplied there is the fact that, like, both Chicago streetwear, which Joe could, or, uh, sorry. You to call me Joe. Damn! I'm sorry. Vic could touch on more. Damn! <laughs> Touch on that more, but like both the music and fashion here are so anti-industry and anti-like what had kind of come before and like the rules that had been applied that they kind of really play off each other super well. Yeah, uh, basically here is everything is so blue collar. So with our streetwear and our music is, you're never given an opportunity here. You got to go out and work to take it. And so that kind of transcends into, well, translates into how music and fashion work together. You know, I am where I am, not because somebody said, hey, you're the guy that's going to sell a lot of clothes. It's because literally all these years of my life, I worked hard to be in an opportunity where I could help somebody and not need help from somebody. And that's where we're at now is people like myself, you know, Pat and Eric's company, we do things that where you can help other people. So, And, you know, we're going to talk about the DIY component of that in a little bit because um, you guys are touching on that, which I think is great. But, Eric, you brought up something, which is just that since music is so digital now, you don't have physical items anymore. And I think people really connect to that. Like, I remember, I mean, I'm sure you guys do. Remember, like, going to buy, like, maybe a really cool CD that had, like, a really cool package or a vinyl or something like that. And, and yeah, now music is this thing that just lives in a block in your pocket there's not something to really hold. And I think that that really does connect with people. Like, it means something to have, a, like, some kind of physical, you know, memento, right? Mm-hmm. I, um, so I think there's kind of a, a few things with that even. And I think, so for sure, like, the nostalgia of being able to go and buy something physical related to, like, music is important. And I think that's a big part of, like, the vinyl resurgence that's happened. And then also, like the tape resurgence that's slightly <laughs> trying to happen right now. <laughs> so and, confusing. And um, I think also, and we did a panel recently in March, and you said it, like, one of the quickest way to, like, show your support or your association with something is to literally, like, wear it on a, a garment. So, like, if you want to show you support an artist, like, there's no quicker way to do that without the fact, like, without even talking, to see that, like, you support Mastodon. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you see a you see a hat that has a three on it, right. and immediately you're like, you have, oh, like I bet I can talk to that connection. person. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, connectivity. You know, people always feel to want to be a part of something, and a lot of times people think that that's a bad thing, but no, it's a good thing. It shows community. Um, prime example in the streetwear community is like I see this guy he got on an undefeated shirt. You know, ten years ago, if I saw a guy with an undefeated shirt on, I would think that we would have something in common. But with streetwear getting so big, might not be so much true anymore. You know what I'm saying? But that's just the community aspect of it. You see somebody wearing your favorite band shirt, you know, you're like, oh, man, I'll listen to them too. And you might make a friend out of nothing. Um, so I just think that that's the, the very important thing about merchandise and, and branding yourself. So, you know, one of, the, one of the goals of Lake Effects as a conference is to really help educate and inform the next generation of creators, entrepreneurs, et cetera. So, like, for anybody in here who's a student or, or just kind of starting out, like, 
what are some of those first steps they can take to break into or get started with kind of apparel work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I always just tell people the simplest thing is work on your branding first. Work on what you want to put out there, what represents you the best. And I'll, I tell everybody, think of what I, I do, the 5, 10, 15 rule. Think about what you're going to think about that in five years. Think about what you're going to think about that in 10 years. Think of what you're going to think about that in 15 years. Because hopefully with anything you do, you're thinking about the long term and the longevity of it and not the short term. Because it might, you might have a really, really hot idea that might be hot for this summer. But how are you going to translate that into something that's a lasting brand? And so that's the key thing that I try to tell everybody is just think about the consistency in your branding. Um, like when we were Southbound, we had the same talk. I told people, even do that with your social media. Like I try to have my same name on everything. I got social media I don't even use that I made sure I signed up for to have my name because I don't want nobody else to associate with my brand or who I am, like, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's a, a key to an artist is that part of your branding. Yeah, and I think to touch on the, the part of the question that was how to get involved or how to you know, first break into it, the, the way I did it was a bit different because apparel and like working in merchandising wasn't necessarily like exactly what I was aiming to do. I just wanted to be involved in music and help support like musicians I believed in in whatever way possible. And I saw like that was where the most help was needed. And like that's where a lot of, you know, that's where a lot of like support and insight and just like, you know, responsibility was needed. So I think like, I think in anything you're trying to break into, look for where the voids are and how you can, you know, bring something positive to the table where like, you know, where there is a lack thereof. I think that's such great advice because you guys know that once you hit a certain level of being uh, successful or productive, you need help. And the quickest way, I think, yeah, for anybody to really get in your good graces is to be like, hey, I don't think anyone's running your Instagram. Do you need some help with that? Or like, hey, it looks like you need some videos. So like, yeah, anybody in this room, if you're looking to connect with anybody that is doing something exciting, think about what you can, what you can bring to them, what you can offer them. I think that's, that is absolutely the fastest elevator to get in there. So... I could tell y'all an interesting story about that. It's weird. It'll take like three minutes. Yeah. But it's the Kanye West story. So y'all know that when Kanye West started, he didn't own KanyeWest.com. But a guy did. So did you guys see Kendrick's new video for uh, DNA? So the dude that shot that video is who owned KanyeWest.com. His name is Nabil. And basically what he told Kanye is, I'll give you KanyeWest.com if you let me shoot your tour and make a book about it. That book was a glow-in-the-dark tour book. So basically he leveraged something that he knew and had foresight for into a relationship that he didn't ask Kanye. He didn't tell Kanye, give me no money for it. He's like, I'm going to give you KanyeWest.com. I just want to do this for you because nobody else is doing it. And he turned it into a whole career. So That's amazing. He's, thinking, yeah. he's done literally some of the best photos and <laughs> yeah. videos in music since. Like, Nabil is really yeah. one of the best out. And it's, it's such an insane yeah. story on how yeah. he got there. I, I would love to do a separate probably podcast that's just Kanye West success stories. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's one thing to start doing this and, and it's one thing to like launch a creative hobby, you know, like that part's really fun, but how do you turn it into a business? Like, you know, you can print t-shirts at your place, but selling them is a different thing. So how do you get to a point where like suddenly this is an actual business operation? Okay. Um, understanding your consumer 
I think that that's like a, a, a really, really, it sounds easy, but it's probably a very, very hard thing, is your artist, your designer, whatever it is, is like, you gotta figure out audience. So, and understanding audience is about how much stuff do I try to put out here. You know, some people are very ambitious. Oh man, I had a show, there's 100 people there, I'm about to make shirts, I'm gonna try to sell 100 shirts. It's like, my whole attitude towards it is, have the pessimist attitude is, 100 people were at my show, they hate me, I only can sell five shirts. You get those five shirts and you sell out, you're like, oh man, I can do more. It's like always trying to push yourself a little bit more and trying to figure out how to have continuous uh, contact with your fan base to let it grow. Yeah, I mean, I think um, on my end of it, which is a bit different, because it's not necessarily, like, merchandise, especially in music, is not the first product. Like, when you're running a clothing brand, like, that is the core product. So, like, to sell music merchandise, like, the music has to be good. Or, like, you know, you have to really, like, sell the fans, like, on yourself first. So they want that, like, secondary, you know, thing that ties into it. Or if, like, you know, even on my end a little bit, it's I, what like my services or like what my part of the business is isn't necessarily even selling the product. It's helping to get it made or helping to get it distributed and and so on. So it's like those are all different arrangements. So you just kind of have to look at what the service being provided is and and how, like gauge what it's worth and when. Because like some artists don't have the same type of budget or or re like reason to do certain things, and some need way more help. Some need way less help. So I think figuring all that out is super important. And then I think to touch on what Vic said, that like you need to kind of know your demand a little bit. And it's harder at first um, to know, like, hey, can I move five shirts or can I move 500? Because like, it, is, it is better to sell out and not have a ton left over for certain things, but it's also bad to miss out on money on the other side of the spectrum, too. So like, you know, the more and more like, experience, the more and more times around the block that you have like done shows and sold merch, the more information you have to like make good decisions on what is my demand for this stuff. Well, yeah, and, and touching on what both of you are, are really saying, like how do you start building that initial audience? Because I know when both of you guys started, like you wouldn't just have like, you know, a huge MailChimp list that you could just automatically dive into. So like what's that first step, that first brick you lay? Um, I guess on my side, because the fashion side is a little bit different than the music side, because I'm not initially going, uh, I think on the music side, like you have the music to stand on. On the fashion side, you have relationships to stand on. So, you know, how I built, you know, thing is, is I just went out a lot. When I first got into the business, when I was uh, running leaders, my whole thing of how to get our name out there is I just went out every night and talked to people and just met people and just kind of, made myself be a fixture and part of what was going on, which eventually turned into everybody kind of saying, oh man, I would like to really check out what this person has going on. It's, you know, it's a very, very grassroots idea, but I really think that relationships, big or small, are, are kind of the, the crux of what gets you going. It's kind of your initial thing. You know, you can't be shy and, and want to be successful. They kind of don't work. And if you are shy, you better have somebody on your team that's not because that's the whole key. It's like you have to get out. You have to be in people's face. You have to be recognizable. Because doing that well means that people will know who you are without you really having to say anything. So when you create something, it's kind of easier to put it out. If
if, if it makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think as an observer for the situations he was kind of talking about, I remember being out and seeing you and just like seeing the hat you were wearing that I didn't know you made yet or like seeing a shirt or a hoodie and being like, man, where did he get that? And it's like you kind of can become like, you know, if what you're making is good, like you can, you are your biggest like promotional tool. Like Chance with the three hat, like he wears that thing everywhere, <laughs> and it help that helps drive sales. So like, oh yeah, I think you know my answer to the overall question is like with music, the music is what you know fuels the fire. But you know, using yourself as like your own like best promotion is also a huge part of that. Well, I think something that's really valuable that you, both of you guys just said too is that you actually went out physically. Like, you can do all the best promo in the world online, and that's, of course, really important. Like, no doubt about it, social media is key, but you also have to be at Eastroom, or you have to be at Lake Effects, or you have to be, like, at these different events, you know, like uh, Sticks Night, whatever it is. You have to go where your potential audience that you want to connect with is. Otherwise, if you're not there physically in front of them, it's easy to get overlooked, right? Yeah, I think a huge part of it, too, is I tell people, you know, that are, uh, like, Chicago-based artists, a huge thing to do is travel, move around, go to other places. Like, you know, the South by is cool, but, you know, it's like A3C in Atlanta, it's CMJ in New York. It's a lot of stuff going on, and what you want to do is you want to meet artists that are in other places that are in the same position with you to create a network because... You might have 100 fans. They might have 100 fans. Together, y'all got 200. You can really, really turn that into something. And the grassroots idea that we miss sometimes because we're so jaded about sometimes our voice being lost in social media is like, oh, man, this person has all these followers. They're going to be successful. I only had these followers. I'm not. And, you know, the one thing that evens all that out is it's 10 people on the street. It don't matter how many followers I got, I can go talk, both people can go talk to those same 10. Mm -hmm. So it's like using that attitude more too. Yeah, I mean, I think above all, it's just creating that connection. And a lot of ways, a lot of times doing that in person is huge because like people actually feel that one-on-one -on -one like happening or like they see your product in person and like they have the attention for it. But there's not like just one way to do it, but regardless of how, it's just creating that connection and having people buy in to whatever the product is. So what are some other challenges that exist, you know, in the apparel industry, either on, like, the resale or the production side? Um, <laughs> That's the next I mean, half hour. So, I mean, yeah. And, again, this, this can go case by case and, you know, be super specific on certain things. But, um, you know, there is a whole other process that comes... There's actually tons of other processes that happen before the final product is like available. And like the more specific and like interesting your product is, the the longer that like pre-production process is. So like, you know, just the design stage of the graphic that goes on the shirt can take forever. Or if you want to like make a really cool sweater that has this sleeve, this color, this on this, like you have to move into cut and sew. So like there's all sorts of like details on on like how to m make something as good as it needs to be. And there's all sorts of attachments that go with that as well. So like, you know, I would say some of the limitations are, you know, when you're at the early stages, like you're not gonna either have the, the quantity or the budget to like do really, really cool items because they're just more expensive to make and to make them 
less expensive, you need volume. You need to like balance out the scales somewhere. So um, yeah, when you, most people start with like clothing brands, they have to kind of go on generic wholesale tees or hoodies, which is fine. And as long as the graphics are good, you know, you can you can move on from that and go bigger. But I would say those are probably some of the most common kind of obstacles. You know, the obstacles is are. Would you say I would probably say <laughs> your finances matching your aspirations is like uh, and I think that that's a that's a real issue. Is like you know, I have a business. We sell a lot of clothes, and it's still things that like I want to do that we can't necessarily do just because it might slow up something else that we're trying to do. So sometimes I just think you have to take figure out how to people friendly your ideas. Like you know, what I'm saying I would love everything we did do to go on a cut and sew t-shirt, cut and sew hoodie, but also I had an idea of, I have a store that's open every day and I need clothes in, I don't have 90 days to wait on this stuff to get back, I need something I can get in 30 days, so it's like just understanding like flow and cycle of production and you know, like back what Eric said about design and how intricate, intricate you want stuff to be is don't be too ambitious when it comes to making stuff really, really think about what makes sense for where you're at at that present time. Mm-hmm. I think understanding where you're at in the space is like the best thing. It's like kind of the best advice to give. You know, and building off, off what you guys are telling us right now, like what are some other steps that, you know, early creators can use when they're still in the DIY stage? Like, you know, when, when you have the limited budget and you haven't really built that audience yet, what are some of the other DIY steps that you can take even if you don't have those other pieces in place? I mean, I think one thing that it is is, like, not only do you want to create that connection and have people buy in when you're trying to, like, sell your product, but in the early stages of creating anything, like, you need people around you to help build it. And, you know, you can find the friends around you who are motivated, who are creative, and kind of try to, like, rope them into a team that makes it all make sense. So, like, yeah, I would say utilizing utilizing your resources is is huge. And like when you're having to figure out like when you're early and you don't have tons of resources, you have to kind of see, all right, well, I want to start a clothing brand, but I can't design. Which friend do I know who can design? Or oh, I know so and so, like they know designers, I'll reach out to them. So I think just, you know, hustling really and just figuring out how I can make all these pieces work and how I can get what I need to move it to the next level. And really quick, like, on that note, I tell this to my students all the time. I I teach at Columbia College, and I tell them, like, if you're going to ask somebody else for their time and talents, which, you know, cool, find out what you can offer them. So if you need somebody who can do screen printing, maybe you know how to make websites, offer to make their website. Like, always make sure that even if there's not money involved, like, you're trading something of value to them. So, sorry, Vic. Yeah, I think it's hard when you, like, it's it's the hardest thing to do is to start with nothing. But also, you come up with your best ideas when you have nothing. So, you know, I remember, like, before I even got into any of this, I would, you know, uh, I would make tie-dye T-shirts just because I could go to the gas station by my house and I can buy five T-shirts for $20 and tie-dye them. You know, might sell some, might not, might just have something for me to wear. I just think it's just you figure out the creativity and what's in your realm that you kind of can do. You know, it might not be a T-shirt, but you might have a homie that got a pin machine where you can make your own pins. The whole idea is just to start somewhere 
and to be able to not be beaten down by whatever your circumstance is. Because circumstance always gets better. But you got to actuate your ideas. Like, if you got an idea, use it. Don't sit on it. Don't waste it. Start trying to figure it out. If you got $20, figure out how you can make something with your $20. If you got $2,000, figure out how to plan out properly with your $2,000. It's just all about where you have to figure out where you want your merchandise to take you. And that's retail, that's brand side, and that's even the music side. Yeah, one thing he just said that um, kind of sparked something with me is like, I do think there are hurdles when you're beginning that you might not ever experience again. Like once you get some momentum, like you're generally on the same, you're generally on the right track. But like, you know, the same kind of like, like hardships you might have when you have $20, like it doesn't necessarily, like those problems and those hurdles and you know, those situations don't go away when you have 2,000 or 200,000 or whatever. Like you'll always still have, like have something you're trying to do and you'll always need to find a way to get it done. So like there is no like, once you get to this point, it's all gravy. It's, it's a continuation of how it all happens. And, it, and like being at the beginning is not like worse than being at the middle or at the end. So let's talk about the city for a little bit, like, you know, because we're based in Chicago and everybody talks about the fact that we're in a Chicago renaissance right now with music and culture and tech and, and so much right now. So, like, what does it mean to be, for both of you guys, to be based out of Chicago, to be creating, you know, culture and fashion, you know, businesses and, and statements in Chicago? And, and what does that mean for anybody in the room? Like, I guess, what's the advantage of being based in Chicago right now as a creative business? Uh, Chicago makes you tough. I tell everybody that I'd probably be a billionaire if I was in New York or L.A., you know what I'm saying, because all the things that I learned being in Chicago, you know what I'm saying. I'm from Chicago. I came from nothing. I grew up in the worst neighborhood in the city, Inglewood, you know what I'm saying. I had great parents that sacrificed a lot so I can get a good education. And I think all those things made me into somebody who can survive in anything. And... That's why Chicago's doing so well right now because you're actually having people be able to tell these stories. Because for the longest, nobody cared. You know, it took for you know a couple people to be able to reach out and be like, "Oh, Chicago's this huge resource of talent and ability, and everybody wants to get a piece of it now." And we've been telling people that for years. Like, you know, what I'm saying that Chicago's where it's at. It's just that now, you know, you know, through what I call, you know. The Chief Keith then turned the chance renaissance of a microscope being put on Chicago as now everybody gets to see that we do have a good because before all they wanted to talk about was the bad. So I, I think that that's, that's Chicago. It's like you get these bruises and lumps, but it makes you stronger. Yeah, Chicago definitely just breeds a different type of person, like thus a different type of art. And um, I mean, I think for me, like, I love the art that comes out of here so much that, like, I just kind of want to continue to be, like, I don't know, someone who helps cultivate it and continue to, like, see it grow and, like, protect it. And one thing, like, you know, when you're, you know, a plant getting bigger, like, you need resources. You need sun, water, and so on. So, like, Chicago, because it didn't have this kind of, like, because it was kind of in a drought, in a sense, for a long time in terms of, like, not getting those resources we don't really have like institutions that are bringing that in like it, like New York and LA does. So like one of the things that's super important to me is 
helping to try to create infrastructure, you know, with the right people in place that also care equally about the city to make sure that it can continue to grow the right way without being compromised. Like, you know, without someone, a company that's in New York now making the Chicago office and just saying like, hey, there's something here we can profit off of. It's like, you know, maintaining what has made this kind of recipe great and just, you know, allowing it to grow to the heights that it needs to grow to. So one thing, you know, that's happening, obviously it's huge in Chicago is, is chance. Like we don't have to be like, here's why chance is important. But like chance connects so well to the music and the apparel and fashion cultures. Like, I guess, how do you view his role and, and what does the work that chance has done and everybody involved with that, what does that open up to other creatives? Because both Hate and Fat Tiger have both been involved with chance. Um, yeah, I mean, I think from from my point of view, like, Chance is just an inspiration. I think he helped a lot of people kind of, like, take the ceiling off of their ideas or where they think their, their work could get to and how broad and great, like, their impact can be on the world. So I think, you know, Chicago's always had this talent, but there's also kind of been, like, you know, just kind of like a cloud, like, hanging over us. Like, we can only go this far without going to one of the coasts. And I think he was kind of the first person to be able to break through and, and show people a different path. And not only, you know, people from Chicago for sure, but I, you know, he's doing it industry-wide right now you know, with the fact he's unsigned. Mm -hmm. So like, I think what he was really able to do is just have a really good perspective on things and like a really good attitude towards like getting attention, but also just like showering it right back on like all his friends and peers that he grew up with and making sure like, you know, everything he had obtained, you know, went right back into the ecosystem that is like Chicago art. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think he was just kind of an innovator and pioneer and also just someone who allowed people to realize, hey, we can go this far too. Yeah, I guess um, my thing with Chance might be a little different because I've probably known Chance since he was 12. So I think that like the best thing about him is he doesn't change like he doesn't let success change the type of person he is and in terms that makes you more humble and work harder at the things that you do and on the fashion side chance well I always said he was just a blank slate like he really never really thought that he would be a fashion icon which kind of accidentally turned him into one because he kind of does this thing of this like uniform, which people start to look at as like, that's cool. But um, I think that he embraces his friends so much is he tries to take everybody on this ride with him. It's like, so he wants to wear his friend's stuff. He'd rather wear his friend's stuff over anybody else's stuff. He'd rather give you that look than anybody else, you know? And that's kind of like why he, as he grows, everybody else gets to grow too because it's not like, it's like nobody left behind kind of thing. Like, we all gonna, we all gonna win, we all gonna shine. The world need to see that it's cool fashion in Chicago. He feel like all the world looking at me, I'm gonna show him that it's cool fashion in Chicago. But not never treating you like I'm holding this over you, I'm the reason you getting shine. It's like, nah, when I didn't have no shine, you made sure I got some shine. So we just gonna keep trying to shine together. So I think that's a real important like a, a lesson as an artist to kind of learn is your level of humility goes a really, really long way. And you never know, you know, 
uh, my dad taught me this. You, you treat the janitor the same way you treat the CEO. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's never, it's, it shouldn't be a difference. You know what I'm saying? And I think the chance, like, embodies that attitude. So we're going to do a couple more questions and open up to, uh, to audience Q&A. So if you guys want to think about a couple of great questions uh, for Vic and Eric here. Um, with what both of you do with, with Fat Tiger and with Hate, how do you guys stay true to the vision that you have instead of chasing trends? Because I don't see either of your companies chasing trends. If anything, I see you guys creating trends. So, so how do you avoid that where you're not just trying to do the same thing that everybody else is? Um, so, I mean, I think for us, like, we're more of a facilitator in general. So, like, a lot of the artists we work with kind of have their vision, have their brand already, and we just want to, like, you know, accentuate it and amplify it. So, um, if anything, we can kind of warn against them. But, um, and, you know, I think Vic kind of hit it earlier. Like, you want to look at that 5, 10, 15, you know, like, game plan when you do anything. So, like... You don't want to make a, a shirt that is only relevant for right now. And, um, you know, so I think, like, we help guide people not to make, you know, quick decisions or decisions based on, you know, something fleeting. But really, as a brand ourselves, we don't necessarily have to worry about that as much because we are so behind the scenes. I think what us is, is, like, we kind of took the idea of a retail shop and kind of turned it on its head of being a place that we were just going to sell our own things and we wanted to be unashamed to be very very proud that we're from Chicago and we wanted to be able to tell a lot of people no and the key with telling people no is you get this thing like this this huge boost of integrity uh, people really really start respecting what you do because i think that that's the hardest thing why so many companies chase trend is because they don't look at that 5, 10, 15. They look at the right now. And they try to run up on things that can be very, very successful. Well, instead of making $500 today, I can make 5000 But I want to make that $500 a day for 20 years instead of that 5000 for the one day, one time. So it's just about planning and staying true to really your vision, I got that tattooed on my knuckles, I really truly believe it, stay true, is you always have to stay true from what you decided you wanted to do day one because that's when your vision is the clearest. Your vision is the clearest when your chip's down, you're back against the wall, and you really don't know how it's going to make. What you said you wanted to do at that moment, because that's when you're desperate. That's when you're willing to make. But if you said, I want to stay true and stick, that's what's going to help you go forward. So with us is we try to um, create trend try to break trend, try to really, really give Chicago a fashion voice that's in Chicago that um, really, really can people can wear things and be proud when they go other places that this is something that was created at home. So, so let's go out um, before the Q&A, let's go out with this question, which is how do both of you guys, you know, you're creating something that not only looks cool, but you're creating, you know, uh, materials and, and content and ideas that actually genuinely connect with people you know it, like you guys actually get people excited so how do you create that emotional connection with your work because that's something that you can't buy like you can't fake that if people are going to be excited about what hate brand is doing or what fat tiger is doing it's because you did something that actually means something so how do you create that meaningful connection um i think for us like the, i remember hearing at some point when people were like don't don't act as if you're your consumer or like don't build things that like with your interests in mind like 
try to build it for an audience. But like, I don't kind of believe, I don't believe in that because pretty much the way we all work, everyone at, everyone in our office is such big fans of everyone we work with that we can, we really believe in and understand it. Like, we understand the consumer because we, like, we damn near are the consumers for the people that like we're working with. So I think um, when we create something, we know that it's just, it's in line with the vision um, of what this artist is looking to represent. So I think that's, that's kind of our best way is just like, we, we do have a connectedness to what's being broadcasted already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think that you create things because they need to be created. Um, and by that being mean, said is, is that you put things out because it's the time for them to be out. Is we try to pay really, really close attention to what's going on in the world. And through our clothes, we try to always tell a story or a story of how the clothes got made. It's just always, we want people to follow the growth. You know what I'm saying? So in 20 years and now, when you know people have little kids and we're hopefully still around, you want to get them their first cool tea. You take them there. You remember your first cool tea you bought. You're like you know trying to create those stories, and I feel like that's what as Fat Tiger as all the brands under Fat Tiger is. We try to really do a good job of telling the story, not only of the clothes but our story, like where we came from, so people can buy into that. Because unlike a musician, I can't make a song that tells you about me. But I can, through clothing and through my process, let you know a little bit more about me where you'll be interested in what I put out and understand like the mind frame in which I put that out. So I think that that's a huge part of it. It's just connectivity again, so. Right on. Uh, this has been awesome to talk to both of you guys. It's always a joy to have you guys on the mic. It's always a joy to just honestly like get to pick your brains. So thank you so much. Uh, we're going to open up to Q&A. Let's give it up for Vic Lloyd from Fat Tiger, Eric Montanez from Hate Brand. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.